and welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA here on Spotify. This is me, Warren Landis. I'm your host and Bible teacher here on Sunshine USA. And as usual, it is so great and wonderful to have you tuned in. And I happen to know that we have listeners all over the world. Uh, We have listeners on virtually every continent, like I think I pointed out on yesterday's broadcast. The only continent I'm not sure about is Antarctica. (laughs) They call that the frozen continent, and the population there is not too good. I mean, it's not a a big population, but I'm sure maybe somebody could tune in. If they have access to the Internet, for example, they should be able to tune in uh, to Sunshine USA. But we are excited to have you tuned in. You know, it's amazing that Christians in many countries around the world could gather together around the internet and they could listen to the Word of God being taught from Greenville, South Carolina. (laughs) And uh, I don't claim to be a Bible expert. Um, I don't have a lot of fancy degrees in the Bible. I just love the Bible and I love the God of the Bible. And I have known the gospel for many, many years. I got saved back in November 1969, and I've had a relationship with Jesus ever since. And uh, back when I was a little boy, uh, I never dreamed that the day would come when I would have literally a worldwide ministry teaching the Bible all over the world. I just never dreamed that that day would come, but it has, and I thank God uh, for that. Now, I think I mentioned this yesterday on the program. It bears repeating today. One of the things I've done, I've started a newsletter that will allow me to communicate uh, with those of you who listen to this broadcast. We can tell you about upcoming events. We can let you know of any expansion plans that we have at Sunshine USA, and I Dream of the day when Sunshine USA will be a far bigger ministry than it is today. I dream of a day when we could literally send missionaries in person to countries around the world. Where we could plant churches around the world and across the nation. I dream that that day will come. Maybe it will, maybe it won't, but that's my dream. And I'll keep you up to date on what we're doing here at Sunshine USA through this monthly newsletter. Now, this is a a snail mail newsletter. And we will be mailing it out for free to anybody who requests it. It's a free publication. We mail it out once a month. Uh, I believe the July issue will perhaps be the first issue that we publish. And you'll get to see my picture and... What I look like, if you don't already know. (laughs) Of course, once you see what I look like, you may not want to look at me anymore. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) uh, Some people say that I have a face that was made for radio. Amen. Amen. But if you will email me and let me know what your snail mail address is, I'll be glad to send you one of these snail mail uh, newsletters for free. Uh, I'll also send you free uh, the email edition of our newsletter. Uh, It will be not as comprehensive as the snail mail edition, 
will have a lot of things in the snail mail edition that won't be in the email edition, but if you want the simpler email edition, we can make that happen for you too. Just be sure to contact us and give us your full and complete email address and we'll make that happen for you. Once again, uh, this is a free ministry. Uh, we're also going to be starting up a daily email ministry where we email you a devotional so that you can get inspiration every single day of the week, whether we're doing a broadcast that day or not. <laughs> Amen. So some great things happening here at Sunshine USA. I had somebody contact me just the other day, and, and they really appreciate the fact that we make it a point here at Sunshine USA not to spend a lot of time asking for money. Because, you know, I figure God will supply whatever money we need to do whatever he wants us to do. Amen? Amen. You know? Uh, I know some preachers, they'll have a 30-minute broadcast and they'll spend 20 minutes asking for money. We don't do that here at Sunshine USA. This is, a, a, you might say, a labor of love that we participate in, and we don't have a paid staff. I'm the only one on the staff, and I'm not paid either. <laughs> so I guarantee you I'm worthy of my pay because I don't get any pay. Um, <laughs> I do what I do because I love the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not worth anything, but it just means I don't take any pay for it. I mean, God is meeting my needs without me having to get in front of the radio microphone and beg you to give money to my ministry. Amen. Okay. We're in the book of Acts, and yesterday we closed out our study on Acts chapter 2, and now we get into Acts chapter 3. But first of all, we're going to go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we want to pray right now that you will give me the words to say that I need to say, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you will use me to correctly teach your word to your people. Lord, you know my heart. You know that I would never intentionally tell anybody anything that's not correct. Lord, I pray that you will be with my mouth, help me to say everything you want me to say, and nothing, Lord, that you don't want me to say. And most of all, Lord, I just want to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory for all that is said and done on this program today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, let's get out our Bibles and turn in our Bibles to Acts chapter number 3. Now, like I say, I enjoy our study in the book of Acts because we get to see how they did things back in the first century church. And it serves as a very good example for us today. We will notice as we go through the book of Acts, we'll notice that these believers in the book of Acts, they had trials and tribulations and they had persecution. Um... Not every day was a pleasant experience, but they put their faith and trust in God, and God was blessing them. We saw yesterday that literally thousands of people joined the church in just one day. Amen. <laughs> when was the last time we saw that happen in this country? I'm not going to say it's never happened in this country, but it, I think it's been a while. You know, I, I can remember... 
back in my early days, uh, churches had revivals that would last literally for weeks. Uh, I myself have attended revivals that went on every night for two weeks. And you don't see much of that anymore. Some churches go years at a time now without a single revival. I don't know how they do that. I mean, I really don't. I think every church needs to have revival services scheduled every year. I just believe that. Amen. Now, I want you to notice here in Acts chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. Being the ninth hour. Now this lets us know that Peter and John had a daily, a daily practice of going to the temple. Now we, we saw yesterday that many believers were meeting in people's houses and they met there daily. And we see that uh, the Lord added daily people that should be saved. You know, and, and the contrast today is, of course, we struggle just to get Christians to come to church one day a week. I know a lot of churches, Sunday morning is the only service of the week they have. And even then, not everybody comes. And uh, many preachers tell me they don't schedule revivals anymore because they, they feel that nobody comes. Well, I, I beg to differ with them. I think people would come if you simply made it available. If you had services at your church every night of the week, I guarantee there, there are some that would come. Now, you may not have as big a crowd during the week as you do on Sunday morning, but there's still a lot of people that would come. And by the way, let me say this. Maybe I'm chasing a rabbit here, maybe I'm not. But let me say this. Um, I don't think Sunday morning is enough. I'm all in favor of the Sunday night service, and here's why. There's a lot of people who, because of their work schedule, they have to work on Sunday morning. They can't come to church on Sunday morning. Why not have a service on Sunday night that they can come to? Why make them go all week without being able to go to church just because you, the pastor, are too lazy to do a Sunday night service? You know? I mean, after all, preaching is what God called you to do. Why aren't you doing it? Amen. <laughs> now, I say that out of love now. I mean, I love all the men of God that pastor congregations of this country. But I think you ought to have both a Sunday night service as well as a Sunday morning service. Amen. Just saying. But anyway, Peter and John had the daily practice of going to the temple. Now, we pointed out yesterday that many believers in the first century, they met in different people's homes. Most churches back then, they didn't have the kind of a budget that allowed them to build these big, fancy, elaborate buildings that many churches have today. They simply met in people's homes, and that was fine. But they still had the temple also, where people would come to worship. Now, in all fairness, it's, it's interesting to point out here, there was no biblical mandate for the people to come to the temple daily at this time. They didn't have to worship God every day, but 
They did it. And you know why they did it? Because they wanted to. It was a priority with them. Amen. They had the custom, the tradition of worshiping God every day. Now, you know, it's interesting. And once again, maybe I'm chasing a rabbit here. But it's interesting to notice how many things we do out of tradition. You know, as opposed to what does the scripture mandate. I remember when I was a young seminary student and I was serving a church in uh, the Franklin, Louisiana area. And they had their midweek service on, I think it was Thursday night instead of Wednesday night. Now, the reason for that was because at one time, the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Franklin also served as pastor of the church uh, where I was interim pastor. But as the church grew, uh, he felt it was necessary to focus on his own congregation on Wednesday night. Then on Thursday night, he would travel to Franklin and do a midweek service there. And I remember talking to one of my friends, you know, is this kosher? I mean, is this something we can do? Can we have a midweek service on Thursday night instead of Wednesday night? And he said, oh, yeah, you know, it's just a tradition. You know, we meet out of tradition on Wednesday night. Those churches that still have Wednesday night services, uh, there's not a biblical mandate that says thou shalt go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. But we do it ideally because we want to. And, and of course, you have to get your priorities in order. People who tell me that they can't go to church because they just don't have time, what they're saying is there's too many things on my schedule that I would rather be doing than go to church. You need to look at your schedule, decide what's most important, and then make time for what you know is important, and that is going to church. Amen. Okay, now, let's read on. We get to verse number 2. Who's seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple ask for, for alms. Now, that's verse 3. Now, in verse 2, and I, for some reason, skipped over that, not intentionally, but it says in verse 2, And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Now, here was a man, in verse 2, that had been unable to walk from birth. He was lame. He was a cripple. And he had been that way all of his life. And, and it's important to know that back then they didn't have government programs to take care of the handicapped and the disabled. They didn't have any special needs programs. And so the friends of this man, the family members of this man, they took it upon themselves to take him to the steps of the temple where he would come in contact with people entering the temple or leaving the temple and they would give him money. That was his way of supporting himself financially. Now, by the way, I pointed out, I believe on yesterday's program, 
And if you didn't listen to yesterday's program yet, I hope that you'll take the time to do so. But as I pointed out yesterday, it is the obligation of the church to be involved in social ministry. If the church did what it was supposed to do in terms of social ministry, the government wouldn't have to take care of the poor. The church would do it. And and to be honest with you, that is the direct will of God right there. Now, I thank God that we have these government programs today because, unfortunately, people cannot depend on the church to really care about the poor. So thank God we have these government programs. But they didn't have that then. And so the friends and family of this lame man, they would take him to the temple and people would give unto him alms. Now, I wonder what our reaction would be that today. You know, a lot of people, you know, they're, they're going down the highway and they see a young man holding up a sign, we'll work for food. What is your reaction when you see somebody like that? Most of you would probably say, well, my reaction is that lazy bum ought to get off his butt and go out and get a job. <laughs> and some of you would say, Amen. But, you know, you don't know the circumstances of that man and his life. You don't know any health problems that he has, uh, any disabilities that he has. Maybe he's not able to go out and work. We don't know, and we don't care. Unfortunately, that's the way people feel today. But back then, they knew this man was lame. He was lame from birth. And they knew there was no way he could go out and get a job. You couldn't tell this man, why don't you get off your butt and go to work? He couldn't go to work if he wanted to go to work. He was totally dependent on people doing what he knew the Lord wanted them to do, and that was help take care of him. Amen. Okay, now, who's seen Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked of Holmes. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. In other words, um, this man, he looks at Peter and John. They were probably pretty well dressed. He could tell by the way Peter and John were dressed that you know, they were probably men of means. Amen. So he looks intently at them, obviously expecting them to give him some money. And he probably thought, you know what, I think these guys could not only give me money, but you know what, they could give me more than the average person gives me. But what happened here? It said in verse 6, Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the hand, uh, by the right hand, and lift him, lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, said and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Now, that's in verse 8. Let's stop there for a moment. 
Peter says, Silver and gold have I none. Now you got to remember, Peter was a fisherman. People, uh, fishermen back in that day, I mean, they earned a pretty good living. But they weren't wealthy by any means. There's no indication that Peter was ever a millionaire. I mean, I'm sure that he lived comfortably. We know that he had a home, and so I'm sure that he lived comfortably, but he didn't have a lot of cash laying around. So he told this layman, look, you know, I can't give you money here, but I could give you something better. And the man is healed. (laughs) Now, was that better than any financial contribution that layman could have gotten? You bet it was. And notice he doesn't go on his way. No, he goes with Peter and John inside the temple. And the Bible says he was leaping and praising God. I mean, think about it this way. If you had been lame all your life, unable to walk, unable to get out of bed on your own strength all your life, and all of a sudden, here you are, healed of God, don't you think you'd be doing a little bit of dancing in the Lord? (laughs) Celebrating, praising the Lord? That's what this man was doing. (laughs) That was his response to the situation. How did the people inside the temple react? Okay, it says here in verse 9, And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they they knew that that it was he that sat for alms in the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened to him. That's in verse 10. I mean, these people knew this man. Uh, Many of these people knew that for years and even decades, this man had a daily practice of sitting there at the temple gate. Now, some Bible scholars tell us that this man was around the age of 40. And that's a reasonable guess. So a lot of these people inside the temple, they had for decades, known this man to be lame and sitting there on the steps of the temple. Now, I'm sure that back then they had the same issues that we have today. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people that pretended to be lame or they pretended to be blind, but they really weren't. They were just trying to soak the people for money. But if this man had been a fate, over 40 years, people would have found out about it. They knew this man was the real deal. He was genuinely lame. He was genuinely handicapped. But now there was no doubt in their minds that this man was genuinely healed. Genuinely healed of God. Amen. And so we thank God for that. Let's see what happens next here. In verse 11, and as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, Solomon's porch, greatly wondering. How did this happen? 
How, how was it that Peter and John were able to do this? What kind of miracle working power do they have? Now this, of course, leads Peter to begin preaching a second sermon. Now, yesterday we talked about, in fact, I think on part of the last two broadcasts, we have talked about G, uh, Peter's Pentecostal sermon. But now we get into Peter's second sermon. And what does he have to say? Well, let's look at Second um, Peter chapter 3. Uh, starting with verse 12. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye this, or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we made this man walk? In other words, we're not super spiritual. We're not mega saints. <laughs> You know, we're not doing any special miracle here. This man is healed, yeah, but this is something that comes from God. God healed this man, not us. We were simply instruments of that. Now, that, that's an important thing when Peter and John take the time to give God the credit for the healing. I'm very leery about these so-called faith healers today that get on television and they begin healing people. Um, some investigative reporters have found that some of these people are not even sick or they're not even disabled. They're fakes. And these faith healers, they put on these services thinking that people will be so excited about the healing that they'll give a lot of money to the ministry. And unfortunately, many of these TV preachers will really hit the senior citizens hard. And I have known more than one uh, senior citizen who gave money to a TV or radio preacher, money they could not afford to give. I mean, I heard about this one housewife. <laughs> she uh, was a single mom, didn't have a lot of money, was unemployed at the time, but she actually made a $1,000 contribution to a TV ministry. And this is money she needed to pay the rent that month. And when she didn't have the money to pay the rent because she gave it to some ministry, you know what? The landlord evicted her. And she became homeless, sleeping in the Walmart parking lot. You know? And, uh, you know, some TV or radio preacher that would do that to our senior citizens, I tell you, it's not going to be good one of these days when they stand before God and they have to give an account of their ministry. Amen. Okay, now, let's uh, point out that Peter goes on to say about how the people treated Jesus. 
how they insisted that he be crucified on the cross. And that in spite of the fact that Pilate said, for example, I find no fault in him. And yet the people demanded, crucify him, crucify him. You see, the Jewish people knew they didn't have the legal authority to sentence somebody to death. They knew the only entity that could do that was the Roman government. And so they insisted, they demanded that the Roman government put this man Jesus to death. And Peter's reminding them of that. Look what you did to Jesus. Look what, what look at what you did to the Messiah. Amen. Ooh-wee. Amen. But some of the people had the right attitude. They asked Peter and John, what must we do? How how must we react to this situation? And they say, repent ye therefore, and be ye converted, that your sins may be blotted out when when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. In other words, they're saying repent. That's what you need to do. Now, when we talk about repentance, repentance is a changing of the mind. When a person genuinely gets saved and comes to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, they are a new creature. They are a new creature. Um, They are not the same person they were before. I'm very leery about a man that says he's born again, about a man that says he's a Christian, but you look at his life and you see no difference in his life before his so-called conversion and afterward. You look at his life and you see that this man lives basically like anybody and everybody else did back in those days. Amen. I believe that if you're genuinely saved, if you genuinely know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, there is going to be a difference. There is going to be a difference. One of the things I wrote in my notes in connection with this message today, I said, looking at the rest of Peter's second sermon, which we see in the rest of chapter 3, Um, we see that Peter does not mince words. He knew that he was preaching what the people wanted to hear and not uh, what the people needed to hear and not what they wanted to hear. In other words, what we find here is that Peter boldly presented the truth of God's word. He did not compromise. He did not mince words. Um, He said things that I'm pretty sure were very difficult for him to say, but he knew it needed to be said. Now, you know, I think about the preaching ministry that God has given me. Now, I'm one of these preachers. I try to, (laughs) 
use a lot of humor where I can. I, I, I think the Lord has given me a, a healthy sense of humor. And, and when I preach, I like to encourage the people. I like to be the bearer of good news. But I also know that I have the duty and the responsibility before God to uh, preach the truth of God's word. That means sometimes I have to preach things that are very hard and very difficult, but it has to be said. You know, because that's the responsibility that I have as a preacher. Uh, I was telling this one preacher that I knew about this, and he says, well, man, I can't do that. He said, I can't preach against sin or the devil because I would lose half my congregation. And then we wouldn't have enough money coming in to pay my salary. I said, brother, I said, let me tell you something. If you preach what God tells you to preach, God's going to take care of you. But you can't be a wimp in the pulpit. You have to tell the people what they need to hear. Not always what they want to hear now, but you tell the people what they need to hear. Amen? Amen. You tell the people what they need to hear. And when you tell the people what they need to hear, God will honor that. Amen. And that basically brings us an end to our presentation today on Acts chapter 3. And, and you know, when you look at the way Peter is now in chapter 3, and the way he was during the time that Jesus was being crucified on the cross, you know, Peter and the other disciples, uh, except for John, uh, they followed Jesus at a guilty distance. They didn't like the fact that Jesus was dying on the cross, and they felt like if they followed Jesus too closely, the same thing would happen to them. Now, of course, as I've said before, in a way they were right, because it did. We know that except for John, all of the disciples died an unnatural death. And all of the disciples except for John and Judas died as martyrs. Now Judas went out and hung himself. I personally believe that Judas was never a believer. After all, Jesus told his disciples, Have I not chosen you twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? That, that comes from the mouth of Jesus. So I, I see no evidence that Peter that Judas was ever a believer. And I believe that right now Judas is in hell. I believe that with all my heart. But we find that John, on the other hand, was different. John lived to be a ripe old age. He was the only disciple that did not die a martyr's death. But now that doesn't mean they didn't try to kill him. At one point they tried to boil him in oil. That was enough to kill most people, but not John. And then when that didn't work, they exiled him to Patmos. Now, back in those days, when prisoners were sentenced to Patmos, it was paramount to a death sentence. There was no staff on the prison island of Patmos. There were no cooks, there were no guards, there were no medical people, 
Nothing. You were on your own. Many prisoners on Patmos, they died of starvation or they died of different sicknesses or illnesses because there was no medical staff there. It was not anything like the modern prisons we have today. Many of those that were exiled on Patmos ended up dying on Patmos. But God allowed John to see the day that he was delivered from the Isle of Patmos. Tradition tells us that he went on to Ephesus, where in all likelihood he became senior pastor there for a while at the church of Ephesus. And uh, so we take that note about John. Um, like I say, uh, all the other disciples, they died at a much earlier age as martyrs for the Lord. And you know, it's sad but true, many people today are still being killed because of their faith in God. I mean, I live here in Greenville, South Carolina. I'm a citizen of the United States. I thank God for the fact that we still have the liberty to worship the Lord. I fear that the day is coming when we're going to lose a lot of that liberty here in this country. We've already lost some of it. The day may come when you have to face the prospect of losing everything you have because of the gospel. Or you face the prospect of being thrown into jail or prison because of your stand for the Lord. I don't think that day is too far away. Of course, now before that day gets here, I suspect that by then the Lord will have called me home. I have no idea how much longer the Lord's going to let me live. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's that part of me that wants to live for many more years so I can continue preaching the gospel and reaching people for the Lord and turning people's lives around in that way. But then the older I get, the more I say, Lord, I look forward to that day when I move into my heavenly mansion and I'm reunited with family and friends. I can hardly wait, folks. And I hope if you haven't given your heart and life to the Lord, I hope that you will do so before it's eternally and everlastingly too late. Because I guarantee you, folks, God's not going to give you forever. One of these days you keep putting God off, and one of these days you're going to wake up in hell. And that in spite of everything that God has done to try to keep your soul out of hell. Well, like I say, that brings us to the end of today's Bible study. If you have any Bible study questions or if you have any prayer requests, I would love to hear them. And uh, all you have to do is shoot me an email. I have two email addresses. Whichever one works for you is great. One is warrenlandis at yahoo.com. The other one is warrenlandis at gmail.com. And then if you want to contact me by snail mail, the old-fashioned way, you can do that too. My snail mail address is warrenlandis, 80 Thruston Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. 
Warren Landis, 80 Thruston Street, that's T-H-R-U-S-T-O-N, 80 Thruston Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, and that zip code is 29605. Either way, I look forward to hearing from you. You know, this is a personal interactive ministry. Um, I consider all of you my friends, and I have a godly love for every single one of y'all. I thank God. I know that there are some of you that tune in day after day after day, and I appreciate that so much. And by the way, if you enjoy listening to this program, I hope that you will share with others how they can tune in, because chances are, if you enjoy listening to Sunshine USA, you know someone else that would love hearing the Bible taught on the Internet. And so I hope that you will become kind of like a public relations agent for this ministry and tell others about this podcast called Sunshine USA. You know, uh, when I look back on it, back in 2012... When I started this podcasting ministry called Sunshine USA, and I don't even think we called it a podcast back then. I think back then I was more prone to call it internet radio. But, you know, podcasting was just getting underway. It was just getting started. So there is that sense in which we were part of the podcasting scene before most people that are podcasting today got into the podcasting business. (laughs) Some people that are doing podcasts today, they've only been doing it for a few years, and I've been doing it now for over uh, a decade. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I've enjoyed being with you today, and I hope that you've enjoyed being with me. But don't fret, none, because we'll do it again next time on Sunshine USA.